Wretched Radio begins in 3, 2, 1. I use the complete idiot's guide to the Bible. Unqualified. Why can't my kids come into the service? Because we have PG-13 services. Unqualified. That has a nice ring to it. Unqualified. I've always felt that way. It wasn't a compliment. Junior church has taken over. It's designed for elementary kids or junior higher. Who doesn't feel unqualified? It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. There are huge problems with the presuppositions yeah. of critical race theory. Yeah. And I think we've addressed those in our messages and sermons yeah. throughout, but it's it's like some people out there have learned Still some particular signals, and if you don't make those signals, then they don't understand. Were these signals sent? This is Wretched Radio. That was the voice of Dr. Mark Dever, Capitol Hill Baptist Church, Washington, D.C., conversation with Dr. Ligon Duncan prior to the recently held final Together for the Gospel conference promising there would be crystal clarity regarding critical race theory. Was the promise fulfilled? You be the judge would like to share with you much of the conversation that happened in a panel discussion. Mark Dever is moderating the panel discussion. You're not going to hear his voice because he didn't say anything one way or another. He simply asked questions, asked for a response. We are in the process of listening to his sermon and Ligon Duncan's sermon to see if they did indeed make it crystal clear where they stand on CRT. You're not going to learn where they're at with this particular session because it's the Q&A with Pastor Kevin DeYoung and Pastor Bobby Smith. You perhaps know Kevin DeYoung, whip-smart Presbyterian. You probably don't know Bobby Smith. He's the pastor of discipleship at Community of Faith Bible Church in Los Angeles, California. Have to say it, Kevin is white, Bobby is black. And Mark moderated the panel discussion between the two of them. And I think it's worth a listen because Kevin DeYoung strikes me as always being a fellow who is not a moderate I think he's a conservative kind of guy, but he moderates his tone. He considers his language. He tries to be thoughtful. He engages the other side to see, all right, is there anything there for us to consider? And yet, I think he's still very conservative, even though he tries to speak in a way that I think you'll perceive as, all right, he's he's being fair here. Now, please note this. I'm not sure you're going to agree with everything that Kevin says, but I do think that he's worth a listen. And then we'll listen to Bobby Smith, because I think that he shares at least a couple of things that can cause us to go. All right. okay, that's a that's a helpful insight. Now, that doesn't mean that he persuaded us that CRT is a good thing. He himself said, I'm not really a proponent of it, but he sees it more as a helpful tool to assess cultural issues. I disagree with that. And so did Kevin DeYoung. Three thoughts relative to critical race theory. Number one, it is possible, and not just possible, but it has happened, that critical race theory becomes a quick accusation to silence discussion. Now, you're not going to like this if you are as opposed to CRT as I am. But it is, I think, a reasonable warning that before we just slap somebody with a label that gets used in all kinds of with a semantic range that is very vast, 
that we at least before saying, hey, that's CRT, maybe we take the time to make sure that if somebody is talking about the subject of racism, that, that we don't make a snap judgment. Somebody quotes from Frederick Douglass, somebody is preaching from Amos, someone brings up oppression, words like that, critical race theory, CRT, end of discussion, are you a liberal, you're a Marxist, that happens, it can shut down conversations, it's not helpful. All right, question, are you willing to digest that critique and, if necessary, make adjustments? Maybe you do, maybe you don't, but I think... I think, considering the amount of baggage that CRT lugs along with it, it would be as if you said something that appeared to folks who are proponents of CRT that appeared to be in the slightest bit racist, and they said, KKK. You go, whoa, 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 hold on a second. First of all, I'm not making a racist comment. Second of all, I'm not a member of the KKK. I think that's reasonably analogous. And that's number one. Yeah. Second, critical race theory is a thing. I mean, it is a thing. It's not just a label. It's not somebody affixed it to it. It's not people didn't like something and we'll give it. A, it, it is a thing. It has a history. It comes out of legal theory. It's become something more than that. I don't purport to be an expert. Uh, it's not my dissertation on critical race theory, but it is a thing. There are whole books, there are readers on critical race theory, proponents saying, here's what critical race theory is. This is an important point because Kevin DeYoung is stating, hey, people have codified. People have taken the time to say, this is our credo. This is our value statement. This is what it intends to do. In other words, it has been clearly defined. And the definition of it is this, that there is a group of people, exclusively, it seems, white people, who have been the oppressors. Black people have been the oppressed. Everything gets filtered through that grid. That's what CRT is, and it intends to divide. It intends to have equal outcomes for everybody, everybody at the same level. That is what CRT is. It smells like socialism because, well, that's what it comes from, is Marxism, a, a, a Gramsian Marxism. But nevertheless, that's why it smells like socialism. That's what it is. And the reason that this is an important point, as you're going to hear from Kevin, is that there are people who are going to say, hey, the thing is a helpful analytical tour tool. Bobby says that. Look, it can help us to understand some stuff. And you're going to hear Kevin say this. He's going to say, wait a second. That's not what CRT is. It wasn't meant to be a helpful analytical tool. It has already observed and addressed the situation in society and have defined it as oppressor and oppressed. That's what it is. So if you say that it's just a helpful analytical tool, well, you're not you're not saying what critical race theory is. And that is why Kevin DeYoung is laboring to say, uh, no, hold on. There are actual definitions here of what this thing is and does. And to the degree that critical race theory can help people see the experience of minorities in this country has often been worse than the majority thinks. 
harder, racism has been more pervasive, that we didn't do away with racism in 1964 or 1968, that it continues to exist and exists more pervasively than whites may think. All of those are necessary things to be said. I want to say that without clearing my throat. Now, that is a very nuanced statement, so I don't want to put words into Kevin's mouth. I'll just speak words from my mouth. I don't think critical theory does that. I don't think it does help us assess, certainly not in a biblical way. So I I don't think it does that. Now, did Kevin just say it does? Well, you be the judge. I don't know that he went that far, especially considering his third point. Third comment. However, I don't think that is the essence of critical race theory. I think those insights can be found and need to be heard and can be found and heard elsewhere. I think critical race theory from its own purveyors says much more than that. It has, by its own definition, a revisionist view of American history. It has a view of intersectionality that all of these things could, should converge. It has a view of interest convergence, which says that whites have only supported means to ameliorate racism in this country when it serves to work towards their own benefits. I think there is in critical race theory, uh, by their own definition, a presumption that disparities by definition are the result of racism. That's not to say racism hasn't contributed, but presumptively to say disparities equal discrimination is, I think, wrong and not helpful. And I think most of all, most damagingly of all, I think it pushes us in a direction that is not gospel, meaning it pushes us rather than to see all of the things that we most have in common with one another. And I'm not advocating a sort of ignorant color blindness. I don't see color. I don't even know that anybody's black or Asian. Of course, that's, that's silly. And to the degree that people say, say that, that's really unhelpful. Yet critical race theory pushes an aggressive color consciousness so that the neutrality before the law is seen as suspect. I think that is anti to the sort of impetus we should have as gospel ministers to say, we have the same sinful nature from Adam. He was our father. We're the same need of the same savior. That doesn't mean that we don't have other earthly identities, but the way to transcend and to acknowledge centuries of hurt and pain is found in those things that we have most in common, not in identities that most divide us. Three points from Dr. Kevin DeYoung at the Together for the Gospel conference. He was sitting in a panel discussion moderated by Mark Dever. You have not yet heard from somebody who has a different take. But you will next on Wretched Radio. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. Question, do you also watch TV? All right, don't mock me. That's a legitimate question because some Christians don't and that's okay. But I did want you to remember that Wretched is also on TV. 135 Christian networks to be exact. Wretched TV is hosted, of course, by Todd Friel and is a daily 30-minute program containing live witnessing encounters and conversations about tough theology stuff. 
You can find us on TV, our website, wretched.org slash TV, and also on Roku, Amazon Prime, Truly, and Amazon Fire TV. And it's only possible by the kindness and generosity of our gospel partners. So would you prayerfully consider becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner? You can help us continue making Wretched available to everyone and also help us in our mission to reach the lost, equip the saints, and strengthen the local church. Find out how you can become a Wretched Gospel Partner just by visiting wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Here's a preborn story that starts out a little on the bitter side, but ends up being very sweet. Neighborhood pastor's daughter ends up pregnant, and she was very abortion-minded, not wanting to face the consequences of her indiscretion. When she met her baby on the ultrasound, she just wept uncontrollably. Couldn't do it. That baby's alive today because an ultrasound was underwritten for a girl. And otherwise, even though she was a Christian, saw abortion as the easy answer. That is the power of an ultrasound. When a woman in crisis sees her baby 80 percent of the time she chooses life for just 28 dollars you could provide one of those ultrasounds but i would ask you how many ultrasounds might you be able to provide the more ultrasounds the more saved babies please consider what you can do at preborn.org slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched I could spend the next 60 seconds telling you things like Wretched Radio airs on over 820 Christian radio stations, or Wretched TV appears on 125 Christian TV stations. I could tell you that the Wretched Radio podcast has had nearly 5 million downloads in the last year, or the Wretched YouTube channel has had nearly 125 million all-time views. But I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to say thank you. Thank you for your continued support that has helped us reach millions of people all all over the world with the gospel. Wretched Radio and TV, Road Trip to Truth, and our newest production, Transformed, are all possible because of the support of our gospel partners. If you're not a gospel partner, would you please prayerfully consider becoming one? We rely on your kindness and your generosity and your ongoing prayers. Visit wretched.org slash donate to get all of the details. That's wretched.org slash donate, or you can text the word wretched to the number 44321. Important dates in Christian history 1273 Thomas Aquinas completes work on Summa Theologica the theological masterpiece of the Middle Ages Aquinas synthesized faith and reason incorporating Aristotelian philosophy into his work and provided a theological framework for Catholic doctrine This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. I think critical race theory has often been uh, a detour because then we end up talking about this other thing over here and then we're debating, well, that's not really CRT or it is CRT. I'm more concerned about what what are the things downstream from that that are divisive and unhelpful and theologically problematic. And that's not to discount all the other sorts of things that we need to, this isn't the only part of the conversation we need to have, but it's the title of this particular panel. And so, yes, I think we ought to be critical of critical race theory. This is Wretched Radio. That was the voice of Dr. Kevin DeYoung at the final Together for the Gospel Conference panel discussion on critical race theory. He was clear, although he has been clear all along, 
He's tried to be as considerate as he possibly can while saying CRT. We should be very critical of it because of what it is, its origins and how it sets people apart, how it provides definitions that aren't biblical. It causes radical division, animosity, a lack of forgiveness. And that's just the start. So he's been really clear on it. We were promised by Mark Dever and Ligon Duncan that they would deliver clarity That didn't happen on this panel discussion. Even though Mark hosted it, he moderated the panel. He didn't say one thing or another. He was simply hearing from two different fellows that have a disagreement on the subject of CRT. We are listening right now to his sermons and Ligon's sermons to see if they did indeed fulfill their promise to bring clarity to a subject that is oh so divisive and has already caused oh so many divisions. Pastor Bobby Smith, he is going to offer a different position than Kevin DeYoung. And you're going to hear a fellow who is trying to suggest that whilst not being a proponent of critical race theory, perhaps there are some things that it provides that can be helpful. This is one of the big debating points on the subject. Is there anything about CRT that is helpful? And people would argue, as you're about to hear Bobby Smith argue, yeah, it's, it's, it's brought to the surface subjects. It is brought to the surface history. It has reminded us of a, a sin that everybody is guilty of committing. Therefore, CRT is good. And Kevin DeYoung, and I, I join his, his response to that, is, but, but that's not what CRT is. Yeah, that's happened in the conversation. But that's not what CRT is. It is a narrative that is already defined. It is a playbook that has already been written. It is a history lesson that has already been determined. We aren't exploring. We aren't having conversations with CRT. It's a foregone conclusion. White people are oppressors. Black people are oppressed. And there the twain shall meet. Therefore, government engage bring down the success of white people to raise up the success of black people. That's CRT in its essence. Pastor Bobby Smith explaining why he's not a proponent, but... And I would qualify it this way. I'm not a critical race theorist. Uh, and I don't mean that to disparage it. I'm, I'm just not. I'm, I'm a pastor. And I think as pastors, we have to deal with these things. And we have to deal with the problems, I think, with our Bibles open. And I think we have to deal with it with our eyes open and finding where these little T's are. I always say that... Little T's, by the way, are little truths. Now, I'm not a fan of little T, capital T, truth. Truth is truth. It either is truth or it isn't. Where do we find truth? In the Bible, period. How do we know if something historically has been done that is bad? The Bible. That's why we don't make a distinction between small T, capital T. Pastor Bobby, though, seems to think that there can be some small T truths found in CRT. Um, And and I'm going to be pretty biographical, and I know there's problems with that because we want to be objective and have facts. I was born in 1964. So you're literally looking at the first generation of African-Americans born with the rights of an American citizen. You have to swallow that for a second. My mom was the movie to help. She rode on the back of buses across town to clean houses in white communities. And so the question that I think that that critical race theory is trying to get at, and you can just say, is it a bad question or is it a decent, helpful question? The question it's trying to get at is that how did we racialize our country? 
how do we racialize our country and, and to make it work through slavery and Jim Crow, there was a legal component to it. Did CRT get codified by people who claim to be experts on it to do that, to help us understand our historical past? I disagree with Pastor Bobby. I think the answer is no. They've already determined the American past is littered with racism and it needs to be deconstructed. And that's why I just don't think there is anything beneficial in critical race theory. Let's give the man a hearing, shall we? There really was a legal component to it where um, my dad, when he went to apply for a job in the north of New Jersey, he was told in the 1960s that, Robert, you're black, and because you're black, you're not smart enough to pass the test. And so there were jobs, middle-class jobs that were for whites only, and my dad, he sued, uh, and he got a chance to take the test. He passed the test, and he said, well, Robert, because you're black, we know that black people are lazy, they drink on the weekends, they party, and they don't show up to work. So we're not gonna train you in this job to be a telephone installer because we're just gonna turn around and fire you. So you have to work in the mailroom for a whole year. So my dad worked in the mailroom for a whole year and then he got the job that he was hired for. So the question I think that critical race theory wants to get at is that did Question, as a Christian, do you need any help in understanding what happened to his father? I don't. That, that's, that's sinful. That's racism. That's pride. That's arrogance. It's condescension. It's, it could even be murder in the heart, which is usually a component of racism. I, I, I don't need CRT to help me with that. What? Wrong. Don't do that. Sinful. Pastor Bobby's trying to make the case CRT has helped us to understand that. We actually effectively change a structure that we codify with laws. Blacks can't read. Blacks can't have these jobs. Blacks can't own these properties. Blacks can't do this and blacks can't do that. Did, this, did the passage of laws change that? And I think one of the questions that Bell was asking when Board versus Brown, Brown versus Board of Education was passed, Okay, so now we're going to desegregate the schools. And we'll desegregate the schools. The law was changed. And so legal theory, I mean, uh, art, you know, I don't even, critical race theory is legal theory. And I'm, I don't know, you know. The, the only issue with that statement is that the laws were changed long before CRT. CRT, while it has most certainly been brewing in university campuses, academia, philosophical centers, it's relatively new to the party within the last couple of years, three years, perhaps. And these laws of redlining, they've been abolished, rightly so. Laws that were discriminatory have been abolished. And I don't think that there is a Christian on the planet who would say that if there happens to be a law on the books today that is indeed systemically racist in that if it's codified into law, that is a system. The law is a system. And therefore, the, this particular system has something discriminatory. Uh, wouldn't we all go, get rid of that? We as Christians don't need CRT to bring us to that conclusion. Jurisprudence. So, so in Brown versus Board of Education, so when that's struck down, now schools can be segregated. All kids can get the same education. All kids, therefore, will be able to get the same kind of employment opportunities 
same income, living in the same communities, on and on. That was 1954. And I would just say, when, that didn't happen. And so critical race theory is, is... Did not have a place in the conversation in 54. I wonder if he meant 64, but nevertheless... CRT is like brand new to this whole conversation. And has there been perfect progress? Of course not. We're never going to see that with any subject in any society. But has there been much progress? Yeah. And so critical race theory is, is it, it is it doesn't have my homardiology. So it, it may impose. It doesn't have Bobby's doctrine of sin. Yes. Right. So, so it may impose false guilt and consciousness. Read into consciousnesses of people that it can't do, but but the question is. Well, that thank you for observing that CRT is gnostic. Did the laws that segregate us in when in the course desegregation was struck down? Uh, Plessy versus Ferguson, nineteen eighty-five, segregated us by law, and then we desegregated. But are we desegregated? This is a question that I think is absolutely worthy of a conversation. If we have laws as recently as 64, or as he's making the case, 1985, that caused segregation, that, that caused somebody to be seen as lesser than, or shouldn't be with a particular group, have there been any remaining effects from that? That's a debate issue. And there's Christians who go, nope, no, no residual effect from that at all. There are others who would say, yes. Might I encourage you to ponder that, little Tish Raiden? Talk about whether or not we still feel the effects of it, because that will make a bit of a difference in the conversation in a lot of ways. We will continue studying ongoing together for the gospel conference was it clear this is wretched radio this is wretched radio and i'm jimmy hanks well we start with the news that everyone else is also talking about today and that's the news of elon musk apparently being the new sole owner of twitter the twitter board announced yesterday that it has accepted a 44 billion dollar offer by musk to buy the company 44 billion dollars would be money well spent if we could just turn twitter off completely also, can someone buy Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat, TikTok, or any other social media platform in existence and shut them down as well? Look, I know I'm in the minority with my opinion here probably, but I think we need to put the phones down and step away from the keyboards and learn to start finding our self-worth in Christ, not in likes and shares. But hey, again, that's just me. Court documents that were recently filed by Montana's Attorney General has asked the court to dissolve a temporary order that has blocked Montana from enforcing its parental notification law for nine years. Not real sure who's writing the orders in Montana, but nine years isn't temporary. A young mother of two in eastern Uganda was attacked by her husband on Easter. Her husband, a Muslim, stabbed and attempted to murder her after learning she converted to Christianity. The 26-year-old told reporters that she was converted on April 2nd but kept this from her husband. And on Easter Sunday, once her husband left to go fishing, Zaina Gimbo says she went to worship service. And upon returning home, she was so filled with joy that she was still singing and praising and also carrying her Bible. Fortunately, neighbors intervened and disarmed her husband, who has now since gone missing. As we tell you all the time here at Wretched, please make sure that you are continuously praying for all of our persecuted brothers and sisters abroad. 
A federal judge has barred the Biden administration from ending a public health policy that affects immigration, which is scheduled to lapse next month. The judge signed a temporary restraining order that prevents the president from lifting Title 42, which authorizes U.S. Border Patrol agents to turn away migrants at the border over COVID concerns. States like Arizona, Missouri, and Louisiana have been proposing to work together to create a workable plan that works for everyone involved rather than just blindly lifting a policy just because Donald Trump was the one that actually signed it. The ExxonMobil company seems to be in a bit of hot water right now for a new company rule that they recently released. The rule bans the flying of any political flags outside of company offices. Exxon's facing criticism from the left because the ban includes flags from BLM, transgender, or LGBTQ flags like no pride flags during Pride Week. But if we don't just focus on the left's outrage and we look at the whole picture here, we can see that Exxon's ban also includes flags associated with the right as well, the Christian flag, anti-abortion flags, and others, meaning that Exxon says leave your beliefs out of work and just come to work to work. And I concur with that. ExxonMobil sells gas, not your preferred ideology. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible The book of Joel describes a series of disasters that serve as God's judgment and a warning that an even more severe day of judgment is coming. When you see the power and fury of creation, do not fear nature, but fear him who controls nature. But if God's people will turn to him in repentance, he will be compassionate and rescue them. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Free. Gotta love those Puritans. Do not seek to get high ideas of yourself. Seek to get a low opinion of yourself. Easy it is for God, when he pleases, to cast his enemies down to hell. My confessions of wrong are so many aggravations of sin. I need to repent of my repentance. This is Wretched Radio. Let's learn from some dead guys, shall we? Jonathan Edwards, known most famously for his Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God sermon, which he delivered monotonally, that can be an adverb, without a whole lot of inflection. He just let the words do the talking and the Holy Spirit do the convicting vividly describing your location if you are not in Christ. You are like a spider dangling from a web above a flame. And God is going to cut that cord, snap, down you go, and you'll spend eternity in hell. Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, esteemed by many to be one of the most important sermons in American history, and I believe because today we see and hear so little of that kind of preaching, you and I, who are biblicists, love to go back in time and read them Puritans so that we can hear a little, because they delivered on it. But that was not the totality of their preaching. And I hold in my never before nicotine stained fingers an example of that. This was sent to me from Honor Books. It is the best of Jonathan Edwards' 120 daily devotions to nurture your spirit and refresh your soul. And what you are going to hear from this devotional reminds us that the Puritans weren't just about hellfire preaching. Did they preach it? Yeah. And is there any of that in this devotional? Yeah, there certainly is. (laughs) There's a lot in this devotional. 
but you're going to hear other things. So just in case you're not familiar with Jonathan Edwards, uh, first, a little historical background. He was an accomplished man, lived from 1703 to 1758, born into a Puritan evangelical household in Connecticut. That was frontier country then. He was the fifth of 11 children, the only boy to boot, born to the Reverend Timothy, Oxford, and Esther Edwards. Because I'm sure Mrs. Edwards wasn't the Reverend, too. Both parents were known to be devout Christians as well as industrious and intellectually bright. Reverend Edwards was a minister who supplemented his income by tutoring local school children. Smart guy. Son, of course, the fruit didn't fall far from the tree. Jonathan's childhood education immersed him not only in the study of the Bible and Christian thought, but classics, natural sciences, ancient languages. Check this out. By age seven, he'd learn Latin. Okay, that's agitating. And by 12, he had added Greek and Hebrew to his linguistic repertoire. He entered Yale when he was 12 and graduated four years later. At the head of his class. Okay, enough with the CV. This dude was smart, but I was captured by this. This is the foreword to the devotional on Jonathan Edwards. That Edwards has earned the reputation as a preacher of the fear-mongering, guilt-inducing brand is is as unfortunate as it is unfair. Those who pigeonhole him as such miss the complete picture of a towering figure of great intellect and influence, and someone who preached God's love and grace more than he did God's wrath and judgment. Was just sent a quote from John Wesley. Thank you very much for sending this in, John. Wesley attributed the success of the revival. You'll remember that Whitfield and Wesley were contemporaries. Wesley attributed the success of the revival to the power of the message. He discovered that by preaching the message, quote, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. And the word of God spread like fire among the stubble. It was, it was a hellfire sermon. But that wasn't the totality of his sermon. Yes, he used law. Yes, he talked about wrath and judgment and eternal conscious torment. Yes, and we should too. And if you don't, you need to start with your kids from your pulpit, from your Sunday school class. Think law gospel. Now, it's those are categories that need to be well defined. But if you at least think about them in sermon prep, how you how you evangelize your children, Ask yourself the question, was there any law in that? Was, were, were there any threatenings in that? Because there should be, because then the gospel balm can heal the wound that the law inflicted. Think about your Sunday service. Think about the, the totality of the service, not just the sermon, but from beginning to end. Was there law? Was there gospel involved? The Puritans, they preached law. They preached hellfire. But... That is not all they preached, and we need to be preaching the love of God, too. I think there are some of us who maybe are trying to make an adjustment for society. Nobody out there is preaching hellfire, so I'm going to do a lot of it. Nobody's preaching any law, so I'm going to preach law constantly. We want to preach the law lawfully, but we also need to be preaching the sweet stuff. Jonathan Edwards' most lasting importance 
is in his dynamic theology of God's ever-present redemptive love and beauty, which can add an exhilarating vitality to doctrine of the sovereignty of God. He elevated the love of God in his preaching too, because if, 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 if we don't do that, I just, you can't help but wonder if this isn't one of the main reasons why we see just a plunging of young people following the Lord Jesus Christ. They maybe got gospel, they didn't get law, or they got nothing but law, moralisms. Joel Osteen is a moralizer. He's nothing but law. Do, 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 act, act, act. He's the model and representative. Act like him, you will become like him, which is famously and fabulously wealthy. That's law preaching. We need to preach the law lawfully, but also the love of God, which I believe is the better motivator to better behavior. That's right. The gospel of grace is a better motivator for sanctification. How so? You think law, stop doing this. Mm -hmm. Gospel says you haven't done it. Jesus did. Now go to work. The work has been accomplished for your redemption. Now respond to that, knowing that you are in the love of God in Christ Jesus, and you cannot be any more loved than Jesus is loved. And that's a lot. Without that knowledge, I don't think that we are seeing people endure. I don't think that we're seeing people grow in sanctification, and they're not growing in knowledge of the Bible. Historian Harry S. Stout said, Edwards the preacher was about far more than fire and brimstone. Yes, hell was a real place in Edwards' mind, because it's in the Bible, and therefore worthy of continual warning to avoid it at all costs. But this was emphatically not the subject that preoccupied his thoughts and visions. Hold on. I don't know what he meant by visions, but thoughts were preoccupied by the beauty and the love of God, not a sinner dangling on a spider web. Heaven and love were the two most important words in Edward's sermons. That's fascinating. And he was far more concerned that his congregation come to a saving knowledge of God through an awareness of the beauty of God's great and powerful redemptive love for them. That is a balance that I think we do well to determine, am I striking it? Am I close to that? Am I preaching law rightly? Am I preaching the gospel sweetly? A demonstration. This is day three, I believe. Just to give you an idea of the balance. Number one, Christ, the wisdom of God. Two, the uncertainty of time. Four, the extreme dangers of lust. Five, the Holy Spirit, a fountain of holiness and joy. Six, diligently avoid sin. Seven, acknowledge your dependence on God. Here's number eight. Here we go. God's inevitable judgment of wicked men. There it is. Build your life on the right foundation. What account will you give to God? God has given each one of us a conscience. Do you hear the balance here? Reflect as you read the Bible. So some teaching about how to read the Bible rightly. Here's God's gift of grace based on Ephesians 2, 8, 9, which you know. The redeemed receive all their good from God. God is the author of it, the first cause of it, the only proper cause. It is God who provided a savior for us. Jesus Christ, not only of God in his person, as he is the only begotten son of God, but he is from God. He is the gift of God to us. God gives Christ to the church. Hey, church, 
You get my son as your head. It is of God that Christ becomes ours, that we are united to him. It is of God that we receive faith to be close to him and have interest in him. It is of God that we receive all the benefits Christ has purchased. The God who pardons, justifies, and delivers us from hell. Into his favor the redeemed are received when they are justified. So it is God who delivers from the dominion of sin, cleanses us from our filthiness, changes us from our deformity. It is of God that the redeemed receive all their true excellency, wisdom, and holiness. Have you heard that lately? How good God is? How gracious he is? I'll use the word loving, and I'll use the word beautiful that he is. If not... Perhaps, perhaps, you need to make an adjustment. This is Wretched Radio. The situation in Ukraine appears to be a long and winding and rather scary road. Tomorrow clubs are still in Ukraine. There are still club leaders there. There are still Christians who are willing to help other Christians with the very basic necessities of life. Would you have the ability to help some of our brothers and sisters in Ukraine to simply receive the bare necessities? I know that Cindy Marty is extremely grateful for your support. There just are really no words to describe the gratitude that we have. Believe me, the children and families in Ukraine are so grateful. Thank you so much for your prayers and support. Tomorrow Club's still alive and well, but dealing with the dangers of Ukraine. If you think that you could support some believers there, please visit tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched, tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. We've been telling you for well over a year that our newest production, Transformed, would be coming soon. We can finally say that Season 1 of Transformed is available now at Wretched.org and will also be airing on Christian TV networks all over the country. Transformed is like nothing else on Christian TV. You'll have the opportunity to be a fly on the wall and witness real biblical counseling sessions with real people that struggle with OCD, substance abuse, grief, self-harm, anxiety, pain, lack of assurance, and more. You'll be shocked and encouraged at not only the Bible's ability to pinpoint a believer's struggle, but also offer powerful solutions. Not years of weekly visits or the band-aid of medication, but real biblical solutions. With the help of Dr. Greg Gifford and Dr. Dale Johnson, you will witness people go from brokenness to wholeness. Transformed like nothing else on Christian TV. And available now at wretched.org. And don't forget the study guide. That's wretched.org. Confession, normally numbers, aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared among MediShare members, which, by the way, MediShare has been around for a quarter of a century. Don't forget, telehealth is available at MediShare, and it will take you two minutes to receive a quote to see what you and your family could be saving every single month with MediShare. Affordable biblical health sharing. Please spend a very worthwhile two minutes at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. 
Hermeneutics A vital part of biblical hermeneutics is an understanding of genre. One genre we find in scripture is poetry. Poetry relies on imaginative and figurative language to expand on a theme, examine emotions and reflect on who God is and what he has done. God's timeless truth is written down by biographers and artists alike. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Should I be able to practice self-control? Yes. Am I going to? No. This is Wretched Radio, a devotional from Jonathan Edwards, the best of Jonathan Edwards, 120 daily devotions, reflecting Jonathan Edwards' theology proper, his understanding of who God is. You and I rattle off omnipotence, omniscience. Do we include benevolence? His mercy, his grace, his kindness, his love for us, despite our treatment of him. Jonathan Edwards had balance. He talked law. He talked gospel. He talked hell. He talked heaven. He talked damnation. He talked justification. And he talked about Jesus Christ a lot. And I can't help but share this because we need this. We need this. This is, should not be the totality of our theological diet, but it needs to be on the plate. Otherwise, you're going to lose joy. You're going to lose energy. You're, 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 you're not going to have the, yes, I get to not look at porn. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to treat my spouse that way. You need this as you're in your, your gunpowder to ignite your passion for God and for people. We love him because he first loved us. That's 1 John 4, 19. Listen, this is Edwards, Mr. Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. This love of Christ is exceedingly sweet and satisfying from the greatness of it. This love is a dying love. Such love has never been seen before, and no other love can parallel it. There have been instances of very great love between one earthly friend and another. There was a surpassing love between David and Jonathan, but... There has never been such love as Christ has toward believers. The satisfying nature of his love arises almost from its sweet fruits. Those precious benefits that Christ bestows on his people and those precious promises that he has given them are the fruits of his love. Joy and hope are the constant streams that flow from this fountain, from the love of Christ. Sweet, eh? Has your diet been lacking the love of God? At the bottom of this devotional, there's a reflection question, and this might be helpful for you, perhaps on this particular subject, but it might be helpful for you if you are struggling these days to be transformed by the power of God's word. It feels like there's a disconnect. You love hearing it, but you don't really feel it. In response. So here's the reflection question here. Ponder the deep love of Christ for people and for you. Are you filled with his joy and hope? If not, why not? Why are the biblical promises of Christ so precious? And this devotional seeks to do what Jonathan Edwards actually talks about in this devotional. You need to read thoughtfully, meditatively, pondering. What is God saying about himself? What is he saying about Jesus? What is he saying about me? 
What is he saying about my salvation and and reading to stop and actually digest it? All right, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. You can burn through it. By grace are you saved through faith. That and out of yourselves is it a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And that's maybe how you read it, because you've read it a thousand times. Hold it. By grace, you have been saved. And you can ponder, saved from what? And you can remember, whoa, the wrath of God. I am the spider dangling from a web. And instead of cutting the cord, he redeems me. He rescues me. Ponder the word of God. And that's exactly what Jonathan Edwards encourages in this devotional. This was from day 13. Reflect as you read the Bible. Perhaps this will be helpful for you. Join self-reflection with reading and hearing the word of God. That's right. Not only do you get to hear about God, but you get to turn your focus on your favorite subject and mine, ourselves. But not for the sake of some self-esteem gobbledygook, but to be humbled and then to recognize that God is going to exalt us in due time. So we have humility and we have joy abounding. Join self-reflection with reading and hearing the word of God. When you read or hear, reflect on yourselves as you go along, comparing yourselves with your own ways with what you read or hear. Reflect and consider what agreement or disagreement there is between the word and your ways. Well, that's, that's something to do. If your reading of the Bible has been flat lately or for quite a while, start doing this. Let it start correcting you. This is another way to read it. All right, Lord, I'm going to read Ephesians 2 again. And I'm going to stop at each verse, maybe each, each parenthetic or, or at each thought inside of a sentence. And I'm going to ask, am I living in conformity to this? And I'm going to ask you for your help and for your forgiveness where I'm not. That would be another way to read the Bible, wouldn't it? It'll make it alive to you. The scriptures testify against all manner of sin and contain directions for every duty. As the Apostle Paul wrote, all scripture is given for inspiration, etc. Therefore, when you read the rules given to us by Christ and his apostles, reflect and consider each one of you. Do I live accordingly to this rule or do I live in any respect contrary to it? If you haven't been growing in sanctification, this is going to reveal to you yet more areas where you need to throw yourself at the mercy of Christ. Are you reading your Bible this way? Last paragraph from Jonathan Edwards. When you read in the historical parts of Scripture an account of the sins which others have been guilty, reflect on yourself as you go along and inquire whether you do not in some degree live in the same or like practices. All right, so you're reading about David and Bathsheba. Oh, David, he's a man after God's own heart and he does that. Hold on. You're in Christ and you do that. And yet, from the lineage of David is one who didn't and who credits you with his purity. That, that, that's what Jesus has done for us. He saved a lot of Davids. Don't just read about Don't read about Saul. We read about Saul, and it's like, he was just crazy. I mean, seemingly certifiably, he had to have a harp played. 
so that his spirit could be calmed? Come on, this guy trying to kill someone, hunting around the country, trying to kill his God-ordained successor? Whoa, he's nuts. Hold it. Do you ever act like Saul? Do you ever not seek God? Do you ever go to other sources of information, whether it's a medium, whether it's a tarot card, whether it's a fortune cookie, where it's somebody who's not a believer, somebody who doesn't speak to you biblically? We are a lot like Saul. We run from God all too often. See yourself in Saul, but then don't stop there. Don't stop there. Otherwise, you are going to be living under the perception that people have of the Puritans. That's all they did. No, they did not. They lift up with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Back to Jonathan Edwards, helping us. When you read the historical parts of Scripture, see if you've been guilty. Reflect. Ask questions. When you read accounts about how God reproved the sins of other people and executed judgments on them for their sins, examine whether you are guilty of the things of the same nature. When you read the examples of Christ and of the saints recorded in Scripture, inquire whether you live in ways contrary to their good examples. When you read there how God commended and rewarded any persons for their virtues and good deeds, inquire whether you perform those duties for which they were commended and rewarded, or whether you live in the contrary. Reflection. Have you ever tried reading the Bible like this? That wasn't my reflection. It's from the devotional. If so, what happened? Why is it essential for us to examine the lives of biblical characters? Jonathan Edwards can help us find our balance. It's too easy for us to whiplash. We, we criticize even Big Eva, rightly so. We criticize liberals, rightly so. But we too are guilty of whiplash theology. Whoa, 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 too extreme over there. We're going to go to the other extreme. And we should all ask the question, have we done that? In fact, there are some churches, they will actually take on an extreme as their mantle. This is, this is our distinctive. We stand against this, or we are for that. And, and that most likely, not perhaps exclusively, but most likely is whiplash theology in action. That you see a deficiency in an area or something really bad, and then you just go to the opposite extreme. We, we, we don't want to do that. We want to stand opposed to evil, of course. We denounce bad theology. But we don't make our thing just the opposite of the thing that we perceive to be a negative because too much of a pot you put two positives together and you get a negative now i don't even think that works scientifically but you get the point make sure make sure law gospel sin grace damnation salvation hell heaven the devil jesus and make sure you watch your balance and reading the bible introspectively can help you do just that and until tomorrow go serve your kingdom